What's up, guys? Ryan Horn here, and welcome to the Extraordinary Man Podcast. This is the one and only podcast specifically designed to help married businessmen create more profit and purpose in their business without sacrificing their family, health, or marriage in the process. Each week, I interview some of the world's most extraordinary men, including seven- and eight-figure entrepreneurs, elite athletes, best-selling authors, and world-class speakers. Clint Arthur has shared the stage with Martha Stewart, Dr. Oz, Suzanne Somers, Ice-T, and five presidents of the United States at Harvard, Cambridge, Oxford, London Stock Exchange, NASDAQ, Mercedes, Porsche, Coca-Cola, Microsoft, AT&T, and the Royal Society of Medicine. His 21st best-selling book, Wisdom of the Men, is nominated for the Pulitzer Prize. Clint splits his time between homes in New York City, Los Angeles, and Acapulco, Mexico, where he lives with his wife of 20 years, Allie, and Nova, their billion peso puppy. Clint, welcome to the Extraordinary Man podcast. It's great to have you on. How are you doing today? I am really excited to be on this exact podcast. This is what my life is really all about, the pursuit of being an extraordinary man. I got a lot to say. I've learned a few things that I think will be very, very helpful to any man who is pursuing this worthy goal. And I've put in a lot, a lot of years studying, devoting my time, energies, efforts to this exact pursuit, and I'm excited to share. Absolutely. Well, we're excited to have you share. Tell us a little bit more about your backstory. I think that my journey as as a real man began when I graduated from the Wharton Business School and I went home to get the attaboys from my parents. And instead of a hug fest, it turned into almost a slug fest. My parents had the biggest argument of all times. My dad storms out of the house, slams the door. I'm sitting on the couch with my mom in the living room where I've sat a million times. But this time, something was different. And I don't know what it really was, but I said to her, you know, mom, the way, the way he resents you all these years, have you been cheating on dad? And I'm thinking to myself, holy cow, where did that question even come from? I never even thought that question before. And I'm thinking, wow, what kind of rude son of a gun asked his mom a question like that? That's the rudest thing I ever said to my mom or anyone. And then I'm thinking, why ain't she answering that question? And then she says, he's not your real father. Your real father was a doctor at the fertility clinic we went to for six years trying to have you. And you look just like that guy. And say, what, mama? Imagine how you would feel. I I don't know if you can. You cannot imagine. So uh, naturally, I didn't know who I was anymore. So of course, I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up anymore. So Monday morning comes along. I call up the investment bank on the 87th floor of number one World Trade Center. Mr. Vice President, thank you very much for the offer. I've decided I don't want to be an investment banker anymore. And what did I do? Naturally, I run off to Hollywood. Start going on auditions, writing screenplays. I wrote 30 screenplays. And this takes us all the way through to December 31st, 1999. Were you even born yet? I was. I was. I was born in 1990. Well, then you weren't getting Y2K cash out of an ATM like many people were. I was earning cash that night, driving a taxi, yellow cab number 6087, through the streets and hills of Los Angeles in the backseat of my cab, was uh, two MBA interns from Goldman Sachs Corporation. I'm listening into their conversation. Hey, did you hear about Mr. Carrera? They made him the last partner right before the Goldman IPO. You guys talking about Chris Carrera? 
How do you know Mr. Carrera? Chris Carrera was a pledge in my fraternity at the Wharton Business School. And now this little punk is cashing out a gazillion dollars as the last partner before the Goldman IPO. I'm driving yellow cab number 6087 on New Year's Eve of the millennium. I make $513. I was supposed to be somebody special. That was the end. That was, you know, the low point of my 13 years chasing the Hollywood dream. 13 years believing it's coming. I'm overdue. When's it going to happen? And finally, luckily for me, I said, I can't keep throwing my life away on a dream that ain't never going to happen. And I said to myself, I've written 10 books and 30 screenplays. And what's it gotten me? I'm a driver of a cab. I'm never going to write again. And I was lucky enough that I was smart enough to understand that if I was going to change my life, I was going to change my life. And I started doing things to change because I didn't know how to change. I took every kind of seminar you could imagine. I, and I walked on fire with Tony Robbins. I did a seminar with my first business coach, Paul Roth. It was called Life Transformation. And I also started taking men's self-help work. And I took this seminar in LA. They call it a seminar. It's not really, it's something else. It's called the Sterling Men's Weekend. And I graduated from the Sterling Men's Weekend in December of 2000. And man, oh man, that really, really changed me and really began my direct pursuit because the purpose of the Sterling Men's Weekend is to eliminate any barriers between you and the man you've always wanted to be. That's the purpose of that seminar. And that began my whole odyssey of directly focusing on personal development as a man. Wow. That's an incredible backstory there. So I'm curious, I'm sure we're going to dig a lot more into this, but what were some of the biggest things that you learned by going to that men's weekend? Well, I learned that I was afraid of men. I was afraid that men were going to beat me up, that they were going to rob me, that they were going to rape me, that they were going to hurt me. I was afraid of men in all different ways. And amazingly, by the end of that weekend, I realized that we were all just a bunch of jerks. And I wasn't afraid of men anymore. And I came out of that thing, man, I came out of the Sterling Men's Weekend and I was really on fire. Really, really, really on fire. I, I got out of taxi driving and got into selling gourmet food. And I very, very quickly met an amazing woman who believed in me even more than I believed in myself. She encouraged me to get into real estate. I didn't know anything about it, so I listened to Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I was fascinated. How do you have two dads? I was fascinated. I had no idea. You know, you know, it, like it didn't even occur to me. And I had two dads also in my own way, you know? And throughout the 2000s, I got very fat and happy with my beautiful bride building houses, selling gourmet food. I peaked out at 236 pounds of obesity and uh, takes us down to like October 2008. The world was melting down. I was at a men's self-help campfire and I, I'm looking at the stars and I see this guy jump over the campfire. And then I saw on the other side of the crackling yellow and orange campfire flames pointing at me. You don't know it yet, but you're already dead. 
What are you talking about, man? I am the most successful guy on this team. Eight years ago, I was a taxi driver. Now I'm a freaking millionaire. And I had no idea what that guy was talking about, but I couldn't stop thinking about it. And then it came to be New Year's Day of 2009, and I asked myself a question. I don't really understand what this means to already be dead, but what if I was gonna be dead at the end of the year? What if this was gonna be the last year of my life? What would I want to accomplish if I was going to die in 52 weeks? That was my question. And I wrote down a list of things that I had to do if this was going to be the last year of my life. And the first thing on that list was I have to write my book about what I learned at the Wharton Business School that helped me to become successful as a businessman once I stopped trying to be a movie star and a screenwriter. And I wrote that book in eight days. I self-published it on Amazon and waited for the sales to roll in. And eight months later, all eight of those sales had rolled in. And that's when I was sitting at my desk and looking at this book. It's like getting to be around Thanksgiving time. I'm looking at this book and I'm thinking, holy cow, this book is collecting dust. A book about the most important things I learned at the best business school in the world. No one's buying it. How can this be? I can't just let this collect dust. And I was smart enough to seek out a mentor. Jack Canfield met him at a seminar. I said, Jack, how do you sell half a billion chicken soup for the soul books? He says, you got to go on TV. You got to go on radio. You got to become kind of famous because people don't buy books from nobodies. If you're nobody, they're not going to buy your book. And really, that has been the focus of my work because I started going on TV, started paying a lot of money. Then my wife says, hey, look, why do you keep paying this lady all this money? Why don't you just book yourself on these shows? And I was like, how the heck do you do that? It took me nine and a half weeks to figure out how do you book your first TV appearance. And I did. It was in Biloxi, Mississippi, on ABC Biloxi, Mississippi. But despite the fact that that's like a tiny little market, you know, that nobody watches the show, I was very excited that I convinced a producer to put me on the TV show and for free instead of paying a, a publicist to do it for me. And it was like catching a fish. And that year I booked seven appearances. The next year I booked... 20 more appearances myself. Then I started teaching people, how do you book yourself on TV? And you know, my 32nd appearance was on NBC New York. My 57th appearance was on the Today Show. Brooke Shields and Willie Geist interviewed me. They say, hey Clint, you ask yourself a great question every year. It was New Year's Eve, December 31st, 2013. What do you ask yourself every year on New Year's Eve, I said, ask yourself if this is going to be the last year of your life, what would you want to accomplish? That's been my superpower, my super question that's propelled me to achieve all of this. And Brooke Shields goes, that sounds scary. And I said, it is scary. And that's when it's great is when it's scary. You've made over a hundred plus TV appearances now, and it's obviously can do a lot for your brand. And I was listening to you as I was preparing for this podcast on a different podcast. You talked about how you literally came up with a formula. Would you mind sharing that with us? I developed, you know, look, after I had 
been on TV about 30 times. I, you know, I, I, look, I've, I've studied with every mentor. You said what impressed you was that I was a mentee of Dan Kennedy and I have a quote from Dan Kennedy. I, you know, I've studied with everybody and it wasn't Dan Kennedy that said, one of my other mentors said, you got to have a formula for how your customers can replicate your success. Now, I don't have customers. I, I always kind of make fun of that. You know, you know who has customers? McDonald's has customers. You go and you buy a hamburger, you're a customer. Customer. But when you're working with a coach, if you're just a customer, I find that to be uh, not 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 a very authentic coaching relationship. If you're just a customer, let's just say that. So I have clients, and I and I developed a formula. Looking back on what I was doing, I looked at what I was doing, and it, it the amazing thing was I heard this guy tell me, you need to have a formula for how your customers can replicate your success. I was a $10,000 mastermind client of his, and I heard him say it because I was a high-level client. I went to everything he did, and I heard him say it 10 times, and the 10th time he said it, I was the next speaker on the stage, and the amazing thing was that you know, when I first met that guy, he used to say, I have had the great privilege of sharing my message on the same stage as Sir Richard Branson and Dalai Lama at great corporations like GE, Accenture, and Amazon. I heard him say that a thousand times. And I used to think to myself when I first heard him say that, wow, Branson, Dalai Lama, I couldn't even get on the same stage as this guy, let alone Branson. But then 18 months later, because of TV, I was the next speaker on the stage following that guy. And, I, and in that high pressure situation, I heard him say it for the 10th time, you need to have a formula. And as soon as he said it, I whipped off my name badge and I wish I had the name badge, it would be a great artifact. I, I have to look for it, I'm sure I got it somewhere. And on the back of the name badge, I wrote down what looked like a mathematical formula of what I was doing. I just did a shortcut and it comes down to hooks plus uh, celebrities plus props plus demonstrations plus takeaway or a formula equals TV. So I just wrote H to the X plus C to the X plus P plus D plus TA slash F equals TV. That's what I wrote down. And I showed it to my wife and she's like, wow, that's cool. You should put it in different colors. And I made a slide and I inserted it into my slide deck and went on in uh, 30 minutes later, I taught that for the first time. And you know, many of my mentors say money loves speed. 30 minutes later, I taught that formula and I had my first five figure on stage speaking experience where I sold more than $50,000 worth of stuff in 30 minutes with the power of a formula. So that's the formula. Amazing. Yeah. Formulas are definitely very powerful. So, I mean, how important would you say getting on TV is? Because a lot of people probably think, oh, well, I could never get on the Today Show or some of these places you've been on. But you started on a local station. Yeah. Is that still valuable? You know, my, I, I was smart enough to listen and trust the publicist enough so that when she stopped laughing, I said, you know, I, I don't care what it costs. I got money. Put, get me on the Today Show. And she laughed at me. And when she stopped laughing, she said, Clint, you're never going to get on the Today Show. You're a middle-aged guy nobody's ever heard of. You got a self-published book nobody's ever bought. No TV experience. They're never going to put you on the Today Show. You got to go on 
local TV. I said, oh, great. I'm a native New Yorker. Get me on one of my local New York City TV shows. And when she stopped laughing at me the second time, she said, no, Clint, New York City, that's like national television. That's the same. It's the number one market in America. You got to go on little tiny shows. And that was, the, that was the first time I ever thought to myself, wow, go to a different city and go on their local TV? And what I've come to learn, having now taught more than... 2,000 students how to use TV and my other methodologies to position yourself as a celebrity in the eyes of your clients, customers, or prospects. I have learned that you can actually create a national platform using local television. And that's what all these book publishers want. They don't want to touch you or even think about you unless you have a, na a significant national platform. Because if you're nobody, they don't want to. See, what I didn't know all those years chasing the Hollywood dream, I didn't listen to my very first and most important mentor, Arnold Copelson. Have you ever heard of Arnold Copelson? I have not. Arnold Copelson was the king of Hollywood and nobody's ever heard of him. He is what I call the ultimate celebrity entrepreneur. He produced a little movie called Porky's, which was before your time. Then the next movie he produced was Platoon, which won Best Picture for the Academy Awards. Then he produced Falling Down, The Fugitive, Devil's Advocate with Al Pacino and Keanu Reeves, a little movie called Seven with Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman, another little movie called The Eraser starring Arnold Schwarzenegger in a $100 million budget from Warner Brothers. He was the king of Hollywood. He produced 29 feature films for the studios, grossing more than $3 billion. And... Nobody's ever heard of him. That's what celebrity entrepreneurship is all about. The only people who know who you are are your clients and prospects. Now, you probably think Tony Robbins. You think everybody knows who Tony Robbins is? You would happen, in the words of Arnold Copelson, you would happen to be wrong. I could show you many videos on my phone where I say to a Starbucks barista, a construction worker, a uh, CVS shelf stalker, a bank teller. What do you think of Tony Robbins? And they say, Tony who? I got an email from Tony's team in February of 2020, right before the pandemic. And it said, hey, if you donate $25,000 to Tony's favorite charity, you could be the host of his 60th birthday party at the Microsoft Theater in LA. It took me less than a minute to donate $25,000. Like a minute later, I had donated $25,000 because I love Tony Robbins. He's made a huge impact on my life. Thank God he was marketing to me. See, but to 99.9% .9 of the world, it's Tony who? But to me, it's $25,000 in a second. And I'm so grateful that I can do that. Come, I was a cab driver. And at the, at the party, I said to him, Tony, 20 years ago, I couldn't afford to buy the CDs of Personal Power 2. I had bought the cassette tapes because it was $30 cheaper. And today I was sitting in the first row of this event. And you know what that means. And he gave me a big hug and he said, I'm so happy for you, brother. I'm so glad it worked out. Yeah, Tony is amazing. I've been to a lot of Tony Robbins events and, and got the chance to meet him in person a couple of times, but great story. And yeah, creating yourself as a celebrity entrepreneur, but to your customers, not everybody needs to know who you are. Right? You don't You'll never be able to do it. And you know, I was getting a ride from an Uber driver from the airport in Atlanta and I've done a lot of events in Atlanta. I did like 20 celebrity launch pads at CNN Center.
And on in August, like almost two years ago to the day, it was like August 10th. It was a little more than two years ago. I hosted a conference at CNN Center for 183 entrepreneurs during the height of the pandemic. And we had Dr. Oz as a speaker. We had Dr. Drew. We had the Surgeon General of the United States. We had Evander Holyfield, four-time world champion boxer. We had Dr. Mark Siegel, medical correspondent from... Fox News. It was a whole thing on how to have more impact, influence, and income targeting towards medical professionals, but in general, a lot of people. And, you know, I had an Uber driver in Atlanta one time, and he goes, you know, sir, I couldn't help but noticing while you were talking on the phone, you talk like you're somebody, but I don't recognize you. Are you famous? And I just don't know you. And I said, I'm the most famous guy in the world that nobody's ever heard of. That's exactly who I am. Because you look me up on Google, you're going to see a lot of stuff about Clint Arthur. Clint like Clint Eastwood, Arthur like the king. You think that that's Google. I know that that's called marketing. That's my marketing. And I do that. And what I've learned is that it's not just TV that works. TV is awesome. TV is the most powerful method of marketing because only celebrities go on TV, or at least that's what regular people think. But I've learned how to help as I've said, more than 2,000 authors, speakers, coaches, experts of every different kind to transform themselves into celebrities using my different methodologies. And I have a whole celebrity formula too that uses TV. TV is only part of what celebrity entrepreneurs do. And I go deep into this in my book, Celebrity Entrepreneurship. And I also went deep into this in my life's work masterpiece, which is called Wisdom of the Men. It was nominated for the Pulitzer Prize And, you know, it's all different stories of the different superstars and presidents of the United States that I've had the great privilege to work with since I stopped being a taxi driver and focused on having more impact, influence, and income. Yeah. Tell us more about your book. What exactly, uh, like maybe you could share a couple of stories with us because I know it's packed full, like you said, of stories of all of these celebrities and five presidents that you've had the chance to meet. So could you tell us a couple of stories maybe? Well, when I met President Jimmy Carter, you know, unfortunately he had some health mishaps shortly after I met him. Had nothing to do with me. I promise you it was really related to his charity work with Habitat for Humanity. I believe he fell down and hit his head while he was building a Habitat for Humanity house at the age of 92 years old or whatever it was. But what was so most impressive about him is that, you know, even at his old age, he was still a powerful speaker and messenger. That's the key. You know, you have a message. Well, the only way you're going to get the message out is if you believe in yourself enough to share that message. And Jimmy Carter's message was super powerful. He said, look, you know, if you don't like the person that you have been or are being, you can start being a new person right now. Just start being the new person. That's a massive message. And I know a lot of people are like, well, Jimmy Carter was the worst president or one of the worst presidents. Whatever. You know, I, I, I interact with people not on a political basis, but on a basis of what do you as a man have to say to me that can help me, that I can learn from your life experiences? That's what Wisdom of the Men is all about. Learning from other men how to be more of the man that I've always wanted to be. Another, another president, 
George H.W. Bush. While I was selling gourmet food, I was just visiting one of my clients at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning. It was just me and the executive chef of the Danielle Boulou Brasserie at the Wynn. You know, you go there for lunch and it's at the time it was like $100 lunch for two with no liquor. And I'm he's stirring a giant pot of lobster bisque with a stick stirrer. You know, you get those little wands that'll froth up a, a cappuccino in a mug. Well, this guy's stick stirrer was like the size of a baseball bat. And he's stirring this giant pot of lobster bisque. And I said, Philippe, you got 20 sous chefs working for you. Why are you the executive chef of this multi-million dollar restaurant wasting your time stirring a pot of soup? He goes, because I love it. This is my métier. You know, the métier is, is your life's work, right? My métier seems to be telling stories and learning how to use them to have more impact, influence, and income. And just at that moment, I felt this weird energy coming from deep in the kitchen. And I look over there and there's three guys in suits. Two of them are Secret Service agents and one of them is George H.W. Bush. And they're just walking through the kitchen and they walk out into the dining room and I go to Philippe, holy cow, that was the president of the United States. He goes, really? He had no idea. So I go running out into the dining room and You know, I told you I had met Jack Canfield. I also met his partner on the Chicken Soup for the Soul books, Mark Victor Hansen. And Mark Victor Hansen's piece of wisdom for me that I took from his seminar. I love going to seminars. I love mentors. I love learning from other men who have walked the path that I want. And Mark Victor Hansen gave me a great piece of technology. He's like, listen, wherever you go, you need to have a pocket camera in your pocket. This was before cell phones had had cameras on them. And I happen to have my pocket camera in my pocket. And I go over to the Secret Service agent. I say, could I get a picture with the president? Guy goes, sure. I go over to George H.W. Bush. We take the picture and I said, sir, what's the most important thing you ever learned? I asked that to all the people in this book, all the names. He said, well, young man, that's a very big question, but I'd have to say you have to keep doing the things that you love in this life. And again, I don't care about people's politics. I want to know what is the wisdom that you got that's going to help me to be closer to the man that I've always wanted to be. And there's the photograph of me and H.W. And if you look closer, I'm not going to be able to get it close enough to the camera, but maybe you could see... There's little parachute jumpers on his tie. George H.W. Bush famously jumped out of an airplane on every one of his birthdays, including his 80th birthday. I read about that feat in Time magazine because that's what he loved to do, you know? And really, see, I became obese. I, I didn't realize what it really meant to be already dead and not know it. I became obese because I had quit writing. And unfortunately, I'm a writer. I'm a writer. And I wasn't doing the thing that I love. What I love doing is writing. When I write books, I know people like Russell Brunson. He's like, oh, writing a book is the hardest thing I ever did, you know? Right? You've heard him say that. For me, writing a book is pleasure. I wrote this book, Wisdom of the Men. This was like, I don't know. I don't know how many books I've written in my life. I wrote this book in 10 days in Venice, Italy. I treated myself like a king. I stayed at the best hotel in Venice, Italy. It went to restaurants, went to the opera, you know, and it was easy for me to write 91,000 words in 10 days because I love writing. And I wasn't doing that. See, I was living like I was already dead. I gave up doing the things that I loved. And it took me freaking years 
to come to understand that. But you know, you want to you want to be the man you've always wanted to be. Well, number one, if you haven't been that man yet, and I, and and look honestly, from my perspective of having chased this this goal for decades now, it seems like you ain't never gonna be the man you've always wanted to be because you can always be more and do more and have more. That's the nature of a man in pursuit of being the man he's always wanted to be, as far as I can tell. So. You know, you haven't been that man. Well, be more of that man today, just like Jimmy Carter says. And if you think that not doing the things that you love is going to get you closer to being the man you've always wanted to be, then you don't get it. Wow, that's powerful. I mean, a great illustration you gave from your own life as well. By the way, I got to mention, I'm with Russell Brunson. Writing, I'm trying to write a book right now. <laughs> it's I am not a writer. <laughs> but I've got to ask you, since you said, you know, the question that you ask everybody, I've got to ask you your own question. So what's the most important thing you've learned? When I asked Oprah that question, she said, without even a moment's hesitation, you are responsible for your own success. And that's good. That is good. But it took me a long time to understand how to take responsibility for my own success in a way that I was going to be able to really get to where I wanted to go. You know, I, I have become a lot more the man that I've always wanted to be. I own two giant villas in the best neighborhood in Acapulco, Mexico. I hold seminars in my mansions where people fly here and pay me a lot of money to attend. And they come to me. You know, that was always my goal. I, I worked with all these celebrities as part of my philosophy of becoming somebody special, becoming a celebrity in the eyes of clients and prospects. Part of my philosophy is by attaching yourself to other celebrities, as I've been doing in all the stories that I've been telling here today. And the key element of it all is that who you are is more important than what you actually do or sell. You, the marketing of you is 10,000 times more important than what you actually do or sell. Writing a book is great. Writing a book is part of the formula for becoming the celebrity entrepreneur in the eyes of customers and prospects or clients and prospects because that's making you a bigger who. And that's what this is really all about. That That's the essential message of Dan Kennedy is that who you are is more important than what you actually do or sell. What I have done is I've taken responsibility for my own success, codified that, formalized that, and transformed that into my celebrity entrepreneur formula. And the most important thing I've learned is what Arnold Copelson said to me. I was working as a production assistant on one of his movies. It was called Firebirds, starring Nicolas Cage, Tommy Lee Jones, and Sean Young about Apache attack helicopters. And we were on Fort Hood Military Base in Kyleen, Texas. And he came to visit the set, and I was standing in my position with a broom in my hand, because <laughs> that's what I did made ca cappuccinos and swept floors. And he said to me, you know something? You're even better looking than Nicolas Cage. And I said, so how come I'm not the star of this movie? I actually freaking said that to this guy. And he goes, because nobody would give me the money to make this movie if it was starring you instead of Nicolas Cage. See, he told me that way back then. And people say to me, do you resent chasing the Hollywood dream for 13 years? 
it took me 13 years. This is how stupid I am, right? I'm telling you, if I could do this stuff, you could do this stuff. Anybody can do it because this is how stupid I am. He told me that when I first started and it took me 13 years of failure. And then I had to go beyond that into retrospection about what was it in those 13 years that I learned what that made it worthwhile. And what I learned was, hey, I could have been the best actor in the world, but I, I was clearly better looking than Nicolas Cage, the producer of his movie who was paying him millions of dollars told me so but that's not what's important what's important is who you are not what you do not how good looking you are not what you are but who you are you're a lawyer you're the best lawyer in the world that's not important who are you that is really really powerful wow a a lot to think about there last question for you here glint what is your definition of an extraordinary man Extraordinary man is a man who is in pursuit of the man that he has always wanted to be. He understands there are barriers in between him. He is constantly working on himself, trying to improve, constant and never-ending improvement, as Tony Robbins says, and realizes that an extraordinary man is a work in progress. You never arrive, always a work in progress. This has been amazing. Clint, where can people go? Where's the best place for people to go to connect with you and find out more about you? Clint.com with three T's, C-L-I-N-T-T-T. Why three T's, Clint? Because one of my clients, one of my many expert clients was the inventor of a science called namology. And that means, what does your name tell you about you? And she said to me one time, hey, Clint, I wish you could have another T at the end of your name because the T's always end up on top, like Trump. And I couldn't get Clint with two Ts.com, but I was able to get Clint with three Ts.com. And that seems to work pretty good. So nice, easy way to remember. If you want to have more impact, influence, and income, go to Clint.com with three Ts. That's awesome. Clint Triple T. Well, Clint, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking time to come on the show. Hey, man, I really appreciate you and the work that you're doing. And I wish there was more shows like this because there's a lot of men who need this. Guys, thanks so much for joining me on another episode of the Extraordinary Man Podcast. Here's the thing, you're never going to maximize your potential on your own. So I'm personally inviting you to come and join me in the private Extraordinary Man Facebook group so you can level up your business and your life. Just head over to Facebook and type Extraordinary Man into the search box and it will show up as the first result. Iron sharpens iron and this is the number one place for you to connect with me and other like-minded men who are on a mission to maximize their potential. My goal is to help you become the man God created you to be in all areas of your life. So come and join us in the Facebook group and upgrade your business and your life. I'll see you on the next episode.